Praise God. Let me, just, let me just look over Galatians for a moment this morning. Galatians chapter 5. Praise God. It says here, Galatians 5 and verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with a yoke of of bondage. Amen. And um, in the New American Standard Version, it says here, it says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Praise God. Jesus came to set us free. Amen. Amen. And the Bible tells us to stand fast in that freedom. It was for freedom that Christ came. He came to set us free. Praise God that we are free. You know, as believers, we need to know that we're free. Now, when it's talking here about freedom, it's talking here about freedom from, well, obviously we're free from sin. Praise God. Thank God we're free from sin. But you know, we're, we're free also from performance-based Christianity. Amen. Once Jesus sets you free, you need to know that you are free from performance-based Christianity. That means that you don't have to perform to be free. That means that you don't have to perform to earn anything from God. You don't have to perform for God's favor. Praise God. You don't have to perform for anything. It was Jesus who set us free. And when we start putting us in the place of Jesus, that's where we miss it. When we start thinking it's something that we do, that we can add something to what Jesus done. We can't add anything to what Jesus done. Praise God, Jesus came to set us free. And so we need to know that we're free. We're free from sin. We're free from all of the consequences of sin. Thank God. Amen. As far as between us and God, now you can walk in things in this life and you will deal with sin on a, on a level in this world. If You know, sin has consequences in this world. But thank God even you can look to God and you can receive His mercy and help even in those situations. But you know what, if you, if you, if you get into um, rows with people, there's going to be knock-on effects with that. Do you know what I mean? If, if someone has an affair, there's going to be knock-on effects with that and all of those kind of things. But I'm telling you, Jesus came to free us from sin. So you have that vertical. When you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, vertically, I'm telling you, you are totally forgiven. Praise God. Absolutely, totally forgiven. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. You know, a lot of Christians don't live in freedom even though they are free. It's like Jesus removed the total cage and bondage of sin from our lives, and yet a Christian can stand there in it. Yeah. You know, with the mindset, the mindset of I'm still bound. But we are not bound as believers. Jesus came to set us free. And as believers, we're meant to stand in that freedom. That means you take your place in that position of Christ made me free. And you don't go back to performance to try and be free. You stand knowing you are free. Amen. The reason a lot of people don't live in freedom in life is because they don't take a position of freedom. You have to take a position of freedom and then you can live free in life. But if you're always trying to find it or trying to think it's the next thing I do or it's the next service I go to. And if I pray longer the next time and all of those kind of things. And if I read my Bible longer, then it'll be free. No, you need to start from the position of you are free. You are free in Christ. It's Jesus who made us free. And don't go back to performance-based Christianity of trying to get free. Let me tell you, the law brings you into bondage. The law itself is perfect, but the problem is we're not. 
And so we can't keep it in and of ourselves. Our perfection is Jesus. It was Jesus who made us perfect in our spirit. But outwardly, if you go to performance-based Christianity, you will never live in freedom because I'm telling you, you're not good enough in yourself to live in freedom. Thank God he made us free. Amen. Amen. Yet some Christians don't know how to walk in that freedom, take that place in it, and then walk in that freedom. Do you know, when I was a young lad, I, I, I always loved animals. When I was a child, I loved animals, okay? And we always had animals in the house and different things, but I, I had this budgie, okay? And I spent hours with this budgie. I trained the thing. I used to take it out and it'd run up my arms and it would sit in my head and all of these kind of things. Then one day I took it out and my mum had the window open. And I'm telling you what, that budgie, he knew he was free and he was bye-bye to me and he was away. I never seen him again after all the hours of putting in. But I'm telling you, he's smarter than some Christians because some Christians are free but don't know how to go and live in it. Yet that budgie seen the window open and he was out of there. Whereas many Christians, they don't have that mindset of freedom. Do you know what? They're still like, even though Jesus has removed sin from your life, when you make Jesus the Lord and Savior for your life, the nature of sin, it's totally gone. But there's a lot of Christians still want to stay there with the mindset. And they are free, but they won't be free. You are free. Amen. Does that take the shackles off my feet? (laughs) See, Billy's free. He even has a free ringtone. (laughs) I just want to praise you. (laughs) I just want... (laughs) But you know what? We are free in Christ. Praise God. We do not need to go back to that yoke of slavery. Absolutely not. As a believer, if you go back onto performance-based Christianity, you'll end up in bondage again. If you think it's based on how many rules you keep and all of those kind of things, you'll go back into bondage again because you're not good enough to keep them. You weren't good enough to keep them in the first place. Okay? We, as Christians, we're free from law. Okay? And we come under grace. That doesn't mean that we live uh, with that mindset of a lawless mindset. The Bible talks about here that you are free. Um, you're free from that performance-based Christianity. But it does tell us then, don't give no occasion to the flesh. And how you do that is not by keeping rules. How you do that is by walking in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We have a flesh and we have a mind and we have to deal with it. But you'll only, um, you'll only be able to walk in an overcoming life in those areas, not by flesh. You overcome by the Spirit. If you try to walk in the flesh to do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put down my body and my own ability. You won't be able to do it. But if you walk in the spirit, you get, the Holy Ghost gives you the ability then to walk in an overcoming life. But you have to know right from the start that you are free in Christ. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Jesus set you free. What are you free for? I always say you're free to go and be who God called you to be. Without the lead boots on you off the the law. Amen. You know, if you take a greyhound and and you put lead boots on it, this nature wants to run, but he can't. Let me tell you, if you take a believer and you put him under law, you restrict him. Because you're not able to keep it. 
and you have a nature that wants to serve God, but you end up trying to keep rules, and them rules will just keep slapping you up the side of the head because you can't keep them. It is impossible to keep the law. It's not hard to keep the law. It's impossible to keep the law. And even if you were really good, if you offend in one point, the Bible says you're guilty of it all. And when you're guilty of it all, what it'll do is the law will bring that guilt on you full force. And you'll live in guilt and condemnation and you'll live in a cycle of guilt and condemnation to the point where you don't live in freedom because you're so guilt ridden. That you can't live in freedom because you, you feel like, I can't live up to the standard. God, I really want to please you. You have to come back and say, you're pleasing to God because you're in Christ. And Christ is pleasing to God. Amen. Your acceptance with God is not based on your ability to perform. Your acceptance with God is who you got in. When you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of life, you got in the beloved. And the beloved is pleasing to God. And as a result, you're pleasing to God. Amen. Yeah, yeah. That's a starting point. Yeah. If you go back to performance-based Christianity, you'll not be good enough, and the guilt will overwhelm you, the condemnation will overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. By the law, the Bible says, is the knowledge of sin. And what the law will do, it'll keep reminding you of your sin, because it'll tell you you can't keep it. So it shows your shortcomings. And no matter how good you are, it'll always smack you back down to earth. Because you're not good enough to keep it. Because the reason God gave the law wasn't to set you free. I and mean, he didn't give the law to make you holy. The law is holy. The law is righteous. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect. It's God's perfect standard. The problem is no one can keep it. So that you keep trying to keep it and it knocks you back down. You keep trying to keep it and it knocks you back down. And that's doing its job. That's the job of the law is to make all the world guilty before God. And the reason it makes you guilty is because it shows there's a nature problem in man. And it's meant to then cause man to come to the end of himself and say in and of myself, I am not good enough. Man is not good enough in and of himself. Man by nature is a sinner in and of himself. But when you recognize you're a sinner, then you, then you can look to the Savior because you stop trying to save yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you look to the Savior. And then when, you're, when you receive Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus becomes your righteousness. And Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness for those who believe. When you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, He gives you righteousness as a gift that you could never earn. So it's not an earning righteousness, it's a gift of righteousness. And when you understand that you're righteous, you can stand in freedom and know that, yes, I could never keep the law. Yes, I could never be good enough. But I received Jesus and he lived on my behalf and he died for me. And he who knew no sin was made to be sin for me. So that whenever I received him, I received his righteousness and I'm free. Amen. Amen. You stop trying to be free. You take your position that Christ made me free. Therefore, I am free. Praise God. I'm free to be who God made me to be. I'm free to serve him without the weight of trying to keep everything to be perfect enough. No, I'm free to serve him. I'm free to lift my hands. I'm free to dance. I'm free to rejoice. I'm free to fulfill the plan of God and the purpose of God upon my life without the shame and condemnation that comes from the pointing of the law at my life. Why? Because I can turn around and say, Jesus is my righteousness. Amen. 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 
Problem is, it's trying to get Christians to live in now. Amen. Amen. Try to free ourselves. So then in Christianity, many times what you have taught, even in circles of Christianity, it's all, it's all performance. It's performance based on your works. It's never been about your perfection. It's never been about your goodness. If it's based on your goodness, you're not good enough. If it's based on my goodness, I'm definitely not good enough. Amen. None of us are. We need to put the amazing back in grace. Grace is amazing. Grace is amazing. Because grace is for people who know they need Jesus. God made you who you are. Grace removes all pride. Grace will surgically remove the Pharisee out of you. To where you know it was because of Jesus. Grace makes you always reflect glory back to him. Grace causes you not to take the credit for anything that God has done in your life. Grace stops you from looking down your nose at someone. Grace always acknowledges that it wasn't for the grace of God, where would I be? It is grace that saved us. Grace keeps you humble. Grace gives you a heart of humility where you recognize if it wasn't for Jesus, I'm lost. If it wasn't for Jesus, where would I be? It causes you to fall in love with Jesus. Law will cause you to fall in love with your performance and yourself that you're better than others. It'll cause you to be a Pharisee where I'm not like other people. I live a better life than such and such. I'm better than them. I'm better than them. I'm more holy than them. I perform better than them. It's all about self. Law puts the finger on you. And if you start living a better life, you'll start to get prideful because you feel like you're doing better than others. Grace will cause you to acknowledge, I start for, started from the position of a sinner needing a savior. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'm totally lost. But he made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The freedom that I have is not because of anything I've done. The freedom I have is because of Jesus. And it's Christ that made me free. John 8 tells us two things. It tells us that it's the Son that sets you free. Amen. And then it says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. You see, the truth gives you a revelation of your freedom. When you receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, He set you free. You are free. Then you need a revelation of that. And I want to talk on something just for a moment this morning because one of the things that you need a revelation of is the blood of Jesus. Unfortunately, many times we don't talk about the blood of Jesus in, in church. And I, I know we sing about it in this church, talk about it. Praise God, we're just after having communion, magnifying the blood of Jesus. Amen. But there's many people in our world today that they don't talk about the blood of Jesus. It's more like self-help. But I'm telling you, all of your performance and all of your goodness cannot free you from the guilt and shame many times that people feel up in here. We are free in Christ. The problem is many times people have a sin consciousness. Once you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you're free. But if you don't know you're free, you can live with guilt even as a Christian for the rest of your life. And when you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you are not guilty before God anymore. 
You hear many times people saying, you know what, I'm, I, I'm going to have to go before God someday and give an account of my sin. No, you're not. If you made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you're not going to before God to give an account of your sin. You're going to before God to be rewarded. Yeah. Amen. We go to the Bema seat of Christ, the Bible says, the judgment seat of Christ. In the Greek, that says the Bema seat of Christ. The Bema seat is the reward seat. It's where you went to in the Olympics. So when if you won something, you go to the Bema seat. You still hear them saying that in the Greek language, the Bema seat. Because the Bema seat is the reward seat. And you go to be rewarded for what you did by faith. Not you're earning, trying to earn something from God, but because you live by faith. And I'm telling you, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so the Bible tells us that we will be rewarded for for our life of faith. Amen. Amen. That's what you go for. You go to the the reward seat. Someone who doesn't receive Jesus um, in Revelations chapter 20, they go to a place called the great white throne judgment. And they're going to have to give an account for their life. But for a believer, praise God, your judgment is past. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you're in Christ, who can lay a finger at your uh, of charge against you, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8? Who can point a finger of accusation to the believer? Praise God. I'm telling you, do you think God's taken us before the judgment seat of Christ after Jesus died and paid the price for our sin and he is our advocate? Do you think that we're going before, the, before God for God to say, right, I'm just taking out all of the sins of your life? No. When we go there, we're only at the judgment seat of Christ because of Jesus, yeah. that we didn't go to the place of judgment. Amen. We, we're not being judged for our sin. We're being brought before God and Jesus is going to be there, our intercessor, who Whoever lives, our high priest, whoever lives to make intercession for us as our lawyer, he's standing there saying, they're forgiven, my blood forgive them. Amen. And the father's going, my righteousness is satisfied because the blood satisfied me. My son, my daughter. Years ago, the old timers, they sang about the blood. They knew about the blood. They talked about the blood. There's power, power, wonder, working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Today, we think, oh, we're not talking about blood. That might put people off. Blood? What are they talking about? Blood in church? Let me tell you, if you don't know the power of the blood, you'll not walk in freedom. So people then try to set themselves free, you know, do these five steps and you'll be free from guilt and condemnation. I'm telling you, if you don't know the blood of Jesus, you'll never live free from condemnation. You'll never, you'll, you'll be able to replay your past constantly. And I tell you, God is not your accuser, the Bible says. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. The word devil means accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. God doesn't accuse your life. God's not putting on replay everything that you did wrong. What kind of revelation do we have of the blood of Jesus? Do we think it's soap? Do we think it's something shallow? The Bible calls it the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. The precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Your revelation of the blood better be greater than guilt and condemnation. Amen. 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 What can wash away my sin? 
Nothing. But the blood of Jesus, amen? Over in 1 Peter, I'll just call this out quickly, but the Bible says we're not redeemed. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says we're not redeemed. We're, we're corrupt, corruptible things as silver and gold. Um, from which you're being converse, uh, received of your, by your traditions of the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. Let me tell you, you weren't without spot and blemish. He was. Yeah. It's not about how holy you are. It's about how holy he is. Amen. Do you know what... Um, Whenever they inspected the Passover lamb, they inspected the lamb. They didn't inspect the person bringing the lamb. The lamb has to be holy, not the person. The very fact that you bring a sacrifice shows that you're not perfect, that you need a substitute for you. Inspecting yourself is not where it's at. It's inspecting the lamb. It's the lamb that's without spot and blemish. That's the reason why his blood, Jesus' blood, was so perfect for us. It was so powerful for us because it was perfect blood. Perfect lamb. Jesus never sinned. If you look at yourself, you'll see sins. When you've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, when you become a new creature, the part of you that gets saved and becomes a new creature is your spirit. You still have a mind that needs to be renewed. You still have a body that has weaknesses. You know, it's, it's a body that the Bible calls it a dishonorable body and all of those kind of things because it's not perfect the way God made it. We need an upgrade. Amen. And thank God one day we're getting a glorified body. But until that time, you're going to have to deal with Herbie, okay? And sometimes Herbie wants to do what it wants. But unless you walk in the spurge, you can't bring Herbie under control, okay? And the only way to do that is get a revelation of God's Word and the Holy Spirit start revealing what Jesus has done for you. And then out of that, you start living a more free life. Amen. But if you try to get a hold of Herbie by yourself, you won't be able to. Herbie will still drive around that course and go where he wants. Amen. And you may do well for a bit for a while, but the only way you can bring it under control is by walking in the Spirit. So in and of ourselves, we're not perfect, but thank God he is. Amen. See, the more you understand Jesus and his grace, the more you fall in love with him. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And the only way to be free is by Jesus. So the Son sets you free. When you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you're free from sin. Not because of your performance, but because of his sacrifice. So then you're set free. It's never been about your performance. So people say, I need to be good enough to be a Christian. You'll never be good enough. You'll never arrive. You can go to hell trying to be good. The only way you get to heaven is stop trying to be good enough in yourself and recognize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Receive Jesus. And the worst person can get saved. The best person can miss it. And the worst person can get saved. Because it's not about how good or how bad you are. It's about did you receive Jesus or reject Jesus. The reason the blood is so precious is because the Bible says there's life. The life is in the blood. 
In Leviticus 17 and verse 11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And it says, And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for your souls. It's only the blood that makes an atonement. Hebrews 9 and verse 22 It says, almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Okay, this was under the law. But it says here, but without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the blood of Jesus, there's no forgiveness of sins. Now, in the Old Testament, they had animal sacrifices, okay? And they were all types. Types of Jesus. The problem was in the Old Testament, it could only atone for your sin. Okay? Atonement means to cover. And it could only cover it, but it couldn't remove it. Okay? In the New Testament, Jesus' blood didn't atone. It is an atonement, but it's more than an atonement. It is a remission. And remission means to remove. Amen? And it washes you whiter than white. Better than Ariel and all of the advertisements. Yeah, whatever it is, does, but whiter than white. I'm telling you, Jesus' blood washes whiter than white. Jesus' blood removes. It's not that it's covered. You know, like if you cut yourself, you put a plaster on it, you might not be able to see the cut, but the cut's still there. It's underneath the covering. You know, where are you? you you're lazy and you know what the teenager in the room instead of cleaning the room they lift up the carpet and they brush all the dirt under the the carpet the dirt is still there it's just covered Jesus didn't take your sin and just brush it under the carpet Jesus destroyed it Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil I mean when when Jesus removed our sin I mean he removed it the Bible says as far as the east is from the west the Bible says it's gone. It's been remitted. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So blood has blood is important. It's understand blood. Like we're not running around here throwing blood about and all the rest of it. And we don't I, look, here's another thing. Let me just say this here. You may not agree with this, but let me just throw this out and just, you know, give you something to think about. Let me challenge if you if you, maybe this is something that You do, you know what I mean? But you know what, how many know we can still walk in love because we're not perfect and Jesus died for all of us and he's our perfection, amen? (laughs) But let me just throw this out. Do you know the blood was never given to man? The name was given to man. We use the name of Jesus. I don't plead the blood. People talk, I plead the blood over the car. the The blood is not cheap, I'm not throwing it about. The blood was given on the mercy seat. And Jesus put it there. Amen. And you can see in there, there's no no scriptural precedent for pleading the blood. There is no scriptural precedent. They didn't go about in the book of Acts pleading the blood. They went in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. You go in my name. What he gave us was his name. He didn't give us his blood and say, start throwing your, the blood everywhere. Then you have people with the mindset, you know, they were doing it years ago. I don't know whether they still do it today. People are buying wee blood things and sticking it on the doors of their house. That's not the blood of Jesus. Not somebody made something out of plastic and painted blood on it. That's not the blood of Jesus. That won't protect your house. 
And say, get one. Well, what do you didn't have one in your bedroom? Or what do you didn't have one in the kitchen? Is that room not protected? So you had people that had only, could only afford three. So which room do you pick it on? Do you pick it for your favorite child and make sure they're protected? <laughs> you have the name of Jesus. You need to have faith in what the blood accomplished. Amen. You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed from sickness. You've been redeemed from poverty. Amen. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You need to, yeah, that's what we put faith in. We put faith in what it accomplished. I don't go around, I'm putting blood all over the car. No, I pray and thank God for protection, amen. Not out there, what bucket? It's a, it's a mindset. In the Old Testament, blood was used over and over again. Started in Genesis, okay, with Adam and Eve. When Adam sinned, he tried to clothe himself. But then God showed that it's through sacrifice and God clothed them, okay? So God had to kill an animal. I don't know where all the vegans put that, but anyway, praise God. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Because there had to be blood shed. Adam couldn't cover himself with fig, fig leaves and all of those kind of things. And Eve, they couldn't clothe themselves. There has to be blood. And it showed right from the start, there has to be blood for sin. And then with Cain and Abel, we know that Abel brought a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. Cain didn't. Cain, Cain brought the works of his hands. He brought his effort to God. And I'm telling you, your effort is not good enough. And God let him know there's a sacrifice there. Go and bring his sacrifice. Bring what's, what I required. But he didn't. Instead, he went and killed his brother. And there's another great lesson in there from blood. Because the Bible lets us know that Jesus' blood speaks better things. You see, Abel's blood cried out for vengeance, okay? Jesus' blood cries out for mercy. It cries out for forgiveness. It is a greater blood. It is a blood that forgives us. It forgives the guilty. But you see that there was blood there that was needed. You see, with Abraham, Abraham and Isaac, when they went up the mountain, and Isaac saying, we have all of the stuff, we have all of the wood, we have everything, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, the Lord will provide himself. A sacrifice. Amen. And he went there in faith. And he was going to offer his son. But God did not want him to offer his son. God was bringing him to the place of letting him know. Stop it Abraham. Because I'm going to offer my son. Amen. Amen. And God did provide there. At that moment he provided. A, there was a ram caught in a thicket. And he was able to take it. But there had to be a sacrifice. There always has to be a sacrifice. Under the law, you know, you look under the law for 1,500 years, there was sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And even before that, let me say, Egypt as well, but when they left Egypt, they had to do the Passover lamb. And they went free because of the lamb. They couldn't set themselves free. All of their making bricks and all of that kind of stuff, the taskmasters put more and more on them. And the more they worked, they never got there. The more they worked, they never got there. That's a real picture of religion. The more you try, the more you try, the more effort you do, you never make it. But the lamb set them free. Amen. And it's only the lamb that sets us free from the house of bondage. Thank God that we are redeemed, bought out of the slave market of sin. Praise God. And you're free. Um, and for 1,500 years during the law, there were sacrifices. You think of it, 1,500 years. Sacrifices, not just the yearly sacrifices, but daily sacrifices. 1500, you know, days of atonement, all of those kind of things. The sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. 
Um, the, the Levites, they were like butchers. They, they, that's what they did. All they did was work with blood all day. They were in blood up to their neck all day. Working with blood. And none of those were able to set anybody free. They could cover. They allowed God to deal with them in a certain way. But it never freed them. It's amazing, isn't it? The Bible talks about um, on the Day of Atonement that the blood had to be put on the mercy seat. Do you know when in the, in the, the mercy seat was above the Ark of the Covenant, okay? And in the Ark of the Covenant, there was three things that were in the Ark. There was the pot of manna, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews. Do you know, the manna shows, it shows God's provision, but it also shows man's complaint to God's provision. Do you know, God provided in a complaint. How many times do we do that ourselves? It's just, again, it's just highlighting man's imperfection. Then in the ark as well was put the Ten Commandments. Do you know when Moses was up the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, they were at the bottom breaking them. Before he even got down, they broke the Ten Commandments. And Moses literally broke them because he got so angry that he broke them and God had to take them up and get an all set and say, put them in a safe spot. (laughs) So they were put into the ark. And then you had Aaron's rod that budded. So you had the the Ten Commandments shows God's holy standard, but man couldn't keep it. Okay. Then you had um, the, the, the rod that budded. And God was the one who put Aaron in the priesthood and his sons in the priesthood, okay? Out of, they were all out of the, the, they were out of the tribe of Levi. But in the tribe of Levi, then God honored um, Aaron and his sons for the priesthood, okay? You had a, another group of guys there were the Levites. And you had Korah, which is a, a story in the Bible, if you know what, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And they wanted Aaron's job. But you see, the gifts and the callings of God are by God. Amen. Somebody might say, I don't like you in that position. Nothing got to do with you. Yeah. <laughs> say, somebody say, I don't like Billy. You know, I don't think Billy should be in that leadership. That's not your responsibility. God put Billy in there. Amen. But you always see people who want to take somebody else's place or take somebody else's job. And many times it's because they think I could do as good a job. You may even do a better job in some arenas naturally, but if you're not anointed for it, you're not called for it. The same for me. I wouldn't have picked me. I ask God, I don't know how many times, God, why did you pick me? Because I see all of my imperfections. I see things that I'm not good at. I know my inadequacies better than anybody else. And I just have to settle. Thank God that you did and thank God for the grace of God. Amen. And I'm graced to do what I do. I'm not graced, so to speak, you know, outside of the pulpit. Yes, I am when I'm praying for people and stuff like that. But there's not this big, it's not like, you know, sometimes people say to me, oh, Paul, you're, you're very confident whenever you minister. Yeah, and then talk to me afterwards. You see how confident I am. <laughs> My kids tell me I'm as awkward. That's all you say. They, all, they actually laugh, especially when I meet somebody new. They're standing behind me laughing. <laughs> Laughing. Look at him, look at him. He's so awkward. He can't wait to get out of there. <laughs> huh? Oh, no. No, and I know I'm like that. 
And so if I am like that with you, you know I'm not anointed <laughs> at that moment in time. <laughs> but you see, Korah wanted Aaron's job. See, he's probably thinking, I can cut it as good as him. But the thing was, God put him in that place. Yeah. Amen. And so he decides he wants that job. So Moses said, okay, you want that job? Okay, you show up tomorrow and bring your censer. And he did show up. But you see, the Levites worked with brass, which had all to do with judgment. And they showed up with a brazen, brazen censers. You see, they were going to do it their way. And what happened was the earth swallowed up just for... Short story, the earth swallowed up and swallowed all of them. And who's standing? God's man. <laughs> Moses said, if God does something new with the earth, opens up. But if these guys die a natural death, well, then we will know that God wasn't in this whole thing. But you know what? If the earth swallows up and Aaron's standing there, you'll know Aaron's the man for the job. Thank God we don't live under the law. Amen. <laughs> But you know what? Here's the thing. Aaron was standing Then people started to complain that all the Korah's bunch were gone and saying, you know what, Moses, you killed the man of God. You killed the people of God. And what happened was a plague broke out. And Aaron had to run into the center of that because Moses told him that. And he brought the golden censer, which represents our prayers up to God. Okay. He went and he stood in the gap. But also what Moses said, and atone, and an atonement as well, which is wow, blood. But you know, here was the thing. Then Moses said, right, take a stick, everybody from your tribes. Okay, so there's 12 sticks brought forward, dead sticks that were cut off. And um, Aaron's name was wrote on, on the stick for the Levites. And they were brought before God. And Aaron started to bud. And blossom and produce almonds. And it was evident that God had called Aaron. Do you know what? They took that stick and they put it in the Ark of the Covenant. And do you know what? God said it was a remembrance against all the rebels. So what is all of that showing? The, 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 the manna, the Ten Commandments, and the, the stick. <laughs> That budded. It shows. You can see God's perfection there. But you can also see man's failures. Yeah. And do you know where they put it? In the Ark of the Covenant. Then what happened on the Day of Atonement? What happened? They put the blood on the mercy seat. On the mercy seat that sat above the Ark of Ato the Atonement. You see the blood is what covers Amen? Every weakness, every inadequacy, every failure in your life, it's the blood that made the atonement. It is not about your performance. It's about the blood. Amen? Thank God for the blood. I'm going to close here this morning, but I'm not going to go any further on this today. But thank God there was a greater blood that came. And John the Baptist... He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, amen, the sin of the world. In Isaiah 53, they use the word nasa, which means to take away. And I'm telling you, Jesus took away your sin. Amen. What price do you put in the blood? The first thing God did when he made Jesus, or when he raised Jesus from the dead, was to make him a high priest.
Do you know why? Because the high priest goes in before God with the blood. And Jesus didn't go into the one on earth, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, chapter 8, 9, and 10, if you read those. He didn't go into the one on earth. He went into the one in heaven before God, but it said he did it for us. Amen? He wasn't there for himself. He went in with his blood, and he put his blood on the mercy seat for you. And I'm telling you, God received the sacrifice. Yeah. Amen? Amen? That's why the Bible tells us in chapter 8 and in chapter 10 that the, co- the new covenant, that the Bible says your sins and iniquities, he will remember no more. Amen? Amen. He will remember no more. Why? Because it's only through blood is there remission of sin. Jesus poured out his life's blood for you so that you could be free. Amen? Amen. A revelation of that sets you free in life. You see, a lot of people have the awareness of their past, have the awareness of their mistakes, have the awareness of their failures, have all of that guilt and shame, and it's very real. And then you have the devil who's the accuser of the brethren saying, I know what you did. You call yourself a Christian. You're some Christian. Look at you with your hands up. You're some Christian. You see the devil keeps you in that realm. He'll stop you living in freedom. But if you just go, you know what? Praise God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm free. He whom the sun sets free. Jesus, I love you. The devil go, you did that in your past. You did, you failed here. Look, you did all of that. And you go, thank God for Jesus. Yeah. Amen. 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 Jesus set me free. I'm free. And I know that I am. The devil's going, what is going on here? I used to be able to just say that to them and I'd have them hurting, bent out of shape for a month. They wouldn't praise God for a month. They were too ashamed to praise God. What is going on? It's a revelation of the blood. Oh, amen. Amen. It's a revelation of the blood. The blood has already been applied. Yeah. And it was only applied once. Yeah. That's why I don't go out pleading the blood over everything. Because the blood was already applied once. Yeah. Once for all. Amen. amen. You need to stand in that revelation. That it's been applied. Amen. The blood needs to be like um, filtered through your thinking. Not that the, 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 the understanding of what the blood accomplished. Because if you don't, you will be left with sin consciousness. But you have to have righteousness consciousness. Righteousness consciousness is where you start thinking and you have the consciousness and the awareness of what Jesus done for you. Yeah. To where, yes, you may have done things wrong. And I'm telling you, you will do things wrong in the future. Every one of us will. We don't go out to fall. The reality of it is, is we make mistakes. Amen. We, we say things we wish we didn't. And all of those kind of things. We do things we wish we didn't. And, you know, and, and many people are crippled with that and crippled with the, the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. Yeah. 
The only way free from all of that shame is a revelation of the blood. That's why the devil does his best to stop people understanding the blood. Because you can do a great performance out here and be living in shame in here. But I'm telling you, you don't have to live in shame. Every one of us have regrets. Every one of us have things we have done wrong. But thank God for the blood. Amen. Amen. Every one of us have said things about people, even said things about leaders or people in the body of Christ or things like that there. You know what? When you recognize it, just understand, you know, I shouldn't be doing that. But thank God for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. You put your blood on the mercy seat for me. Amen. Amen. We've all complained about good things, complained about the wife, complained about the job, complained about, uh, no, but I don't, I just get up in the morning singing, there's birds going off and you know, all of these games, but we've all had things, you've all had rows, you've all had different things, but I'm telling you, thank God for the blood, amen, Amen. he who the sun sets free is free indeed, praise God, but I'm telling you, it always comes right back to it again, it's what Jesus has done for us, and to stand fast in that. Amen. To stand fast in it. Don't let the devil have his way in your home and your family and all of those kind of things through accusations. Settle it. And understanding that these things bring so much healing. Because you recognize, praise God for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, where would any of us be? Amen. You learn to forgive one another. You learn to show grace to one another because we've had so much grace shown to us. Praise God. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Lord, for anyone here this morning who's dealing with guilt and shame, Lord, I thank you for a revelation of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the power of the blood that forgive us. Lord, when we talk about you, praise God, everything just is so much better when we talk about you, when we talk about your goodness, when we talk about what you've done for us. And I thank you for a revelation of what Jesus done for us. Some of you just need to leave some things today and say, that is it. Praise God. I determine from this point forward, I am forgiven of that. I've already been forgiven when I met Jesus, the Lord and Savior from my life. But I'm living in the awareness and the reality of that. And I am free. I am not going to be crippled with those chains that I am allowing the devil to still bind me with. In my thinking and my thoughts, I remove those today. Because I have a revelation of the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your blood. Thank you that it was shed for each one of us, Lord God. And anyone who doesn't know Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that you desire for them to be saved. And all they have to do is call on you. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to earn anything. They don't have to jump through hoops. They don't have to join anything. They need to receive Jesus. And I thank you for salvation this morning. Lord, for anyone that they'll call on you, anyone here, if you do not know Jesus, come and talk to us after the service. I'd love to lead you to my best friend, Jesus Christ. As he loves you. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for freedom in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.